Hello, King's Church and friends of King's Church. I want to talk with you this morning about prayer, and I think I'll tell you at the front end where I hope to end up. I'm going to make the case that one of the most simple and fundamental things that you can do if you want to grow in your relationship with God is to block out time every day where you get alone and talk to God. So praying is oftentimes hard. It, our flesh resists the desire to pray, and we have spiritual enemies that resist us. So it can be difficult to pray, but it's not complicated. It's, it's not easy, but it is simple. So it, it's actually a real big win if we can just block out a consistent time in our schedules where we meet with God and talk with Him. But to get us to that conclusion, I want to talk by in, talk about praying like a child. I want to encourage us to pray like children. That's our topic. That's my title. That's the big idea for the day is to pray like a child. Now, I'm depending on a few chapters in a book that I read a couple years ago by a guy named Paul Miller. The book's called A Praying Life. And if you want to learn more about some of this, you might want to read that book. But, but basically, I want to talk to you, first of all, about Jesus and how Jesus relates to children. Jesus tells his disciples that we need to be like children, holds children up uh, for us as some kind of model. And this is maybe most clearly seen in Matthew's gospel in uh, chapter 18, verse 3, where Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn, that kind of means like repent from what you're currently doing and the way you're currently thinking. Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You will never experience the benefits of God's rule unless you approach God like a child. That's what he's saying. So that's pretty uh, intense. And then there are other uh, things that kind of shed similar light on Jesus' attitude toward children. Once when the disciples tried to block some young mothers who were bringing their babies to Jesus and asking him to bless them, he rebuked them. The moms were in line. They had their little kids with them. They were saying, hey, Jesus, would you hold my baby? Jesus, would you pray for my baby? Uh, could I get a picture of you with my baby? And the disciples uh, were offended. They said, hey, listen, this is an important man. You can't be wasting his time. He doesn't have time for your little kids. And when Jesus saw what they were doing, it says in Mark 10, he became indignant. And he said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder, hinder them because uh, to such belongs the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 15 of Mark 10, truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. So in this culture, children were loved. Their parents loved them and took care of them, but they weren't honored, you know. And really, they kind of like take care of them until they're old enough to help on the farm. And, and Jesus elevates children and says, listen, you got to come like children to God if you want to experience God's rule. So uh, learn from the kids. If you can't, if you can't come the way they come, you may as well not bother coming at all. A third place where Jesus talks about kids and holds them up as an example uh, to us is this is a situation where the disciples have been arguing about which one of them is the greatest, which, by the way, is a thing they did uh, fairly regularly. So Jesus was uh, walking with his disciples 
they came to uh, Peter's house, which was in Capernaum, there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And when they got there, they, they get in the house and Jesus says, hey, uh, what were you guys talking about while we were on the walk up here? And the disciples all like go mute and they don't make eye contact and they look sheepish because the whole way they've been talking, they've been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. So Jesus sat them down and he uh, said to them, listen, if anybody's going to be first, he's got to be last. If you want to be great, you've got to be the servant of everyone. And then he took a child. It says in verse 36, this is uh, Mark 9, took a child and put the child in front of them. Then he took the child in his arms and said, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So Jesus elevates children and says, we got something to learn from them. Then, then the next thing that I want to note about his relationship with children is that he compares his disciples to children pretty regularly, essentially saying, you know, you guys are like kids. So one example that I really like is a story in Luke uh, 10, where Jesus sends out his disciples and says, go preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick. And, and they do this, and then they come back. And when they come back, they, they're all excited. They say, hey, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, yeah, that's great, but that's not the really big thing. The thing you should really rejoice in is that your names are written in heaven. And then, and then it says right after that, at that same hour that they come back with this report, it says that Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. And, he, and then he prayed. And I love this passage for a bunch of reasons. One, it's kind of a Trinitarian passage. Jesus, the Son of God, rejoices greatly in the Spirit and then says to the Father, uh, Father, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you that you have hidden these things from wise and understanding people and revealed them to the little children, my disciples. My disciples are just like these little children because that was your gracious will. I'm almost like getting the picture that Jesus is saying, hey, kids, hey, kids, go have some fun. Cast out some demons and heal some sick people. So Jesus compares them to children, and he's not criticizing them when he makes that comparison. I think maybe one reason that he compares them to children is that his disciples routinely acted like children in ways both good and bad. So, for example, uh, maybe you've read the Gospels. If you have... Let me ask you this question. What will Peter say in any given moment? Well, the answer is whatever comes into his mind. So P Peter just says whatever he thinks like children do. And here's another question. What do James and John do when they want like a special spot, when they, they want a favored position? Well, they just ask for it. Well, not only that, they go and get their mom to ask for it too. Hey, mom, would you ask Jesus to do us a big favor? So the disciples are like children because they just, just ask for things. They just say what they think. And, uh, and Jesus doesn't criticize them for this. And, and I think it's because Jesus likes people who are like straight up, who are honest, who come without any pretense. Um, you know, coming to Jesus with selfish ambition is not that you're like hiding it. Well, that's not ideal, but it's probably better than coming to coming to Jesus and trying to hide it because, you know, he like sees right through you. 
I mean, that, that kind of like reminds me that that's a thing that children do. Sometimes children try to pretend something, but all the adults see right through it. Like I had this child who uh, there's this uh, cookie sheet and there's all these pastries. And she says, now, which one is the smallest? And then she took the biggest one. Well, none of the adults like were fooled, you know. So her mom says, hey, I think this one is actually smaller. Oh, I'm, it's too late. I've already touched this one with my tongue. So this is the kind of thing kids do where they pretend something, but the, the pretense, you can see right through it. Well, all of our pretensions are that way with Jesus. Like he can see through all of our pretense. And so the best thing we can do is just come to him as honest as possible. So Jesus tells us to be like children, tells us to come like children. He compares us to children because sometimes we behave like children. So then the question is, what does it mean to pray like children? What does it mean to pray like a child? Well, the first thing, obviously, is to come without pretense. Come as you are. Just come honestly. Don't try to hide anything. Don't try to be spiritual. I mean, actually, the desire to like try to be spiritual or to appear spiritual can be a hindrance to prayer. It's an obstacle. Um, sometimes, you know, we're, we're embarrassed by our inability to concentrate in prayer. I mean, ki- kids can't concentrate as very well for like long periods of time. And I'm actually like that, too. So maybe this has happened to you. It's happened to me more than once. I go off, I think, I'm going to just spend some time talking to God. So I go off, I start praying. About five minutes later, I realize, oh, I'm not praying, and I haven't been praying for several minutes. I've been, like, thinking about some crazy thing that bothered me. So I'm, I'm pretty easily distracted. Well, well, kids are like that. Kids are distracted. But here's the thing. Don't get embarrassed about it. Just acknowledge the reality and just get back to honest conversation. Sometimes we can think, man, this is hard. I need to take a class in prayer. I don't think you need to take a class. Probably what you need to do is just persevere in honest communication uh, with God. Paul Miller wrote, Jesus doesn't say, come to me, all you who have learned to concentrate in prayer. Come to me, all you whose minds no longer wander, and I will give you rest. No, the people he invites are people who are weary. That's the qualification. Come with your overwhelmed life, come with your wandering mind, come in whatever mess you are, come like children. Uh, Perhaps in prayer, it's like one of these areas of life where Christians want to fix themselves before they get there, Uh, not like children. Uh, and, And another thing is, like, I think that relates here is like the hesitation to pray when we've messed up. Now, I've gotten over this, but for a long time, I had this habit, like if I sinned, if I knew that I'd messed up, I basically had this attitude. I do not want to come to God until I've clocked at least a few hours of good behavior. You know, I just don't I just don't want to come to him right now while I'm feeling so wretched. He probably is not really looking to talk to me right now. If I, now, if I'd said that out loud, I would have recognized it was stupid. But it, in, in the back of my head, it actually worked. Well, don't let that work, you know. Uh, listen, the devil is tempting people to sin. But sin is really not his long-term goal. Like, there's a, there's, a, there's a solution for sin. The real goal is to alienate you from your father 
and do anything he can to keep you from regularly talking honestly with him. So don't let, listen, if you sin, and you will, get over it. Don't let it prevent you from getting back into communication with God, because that is your lifeblood. Okay, so Paul Miller writes also, he says, private personal prayer might be the one last great bastion of legalism where you're thinking, listen, I got to get this praying thing right if I'm going to get God's favor. But I just think that's bogus. You need to come to Jesus just as you are. God, Jesus wants to know the, the real you, not the artificial you. And, you know, who, who did Jesus criticize for being fake, artificial, actors, hypocrites? It was the Pharisees, and you don't want to be like them. Jesus couldn't help them. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He came for messed up people. And the good news is, you qualify. So, if you bring the real you to Jesus, it will give him the opportunity to work on the real you. Jesus wants to be the king of your real life, not your pretend life. He wants to know you, not your slightly more spiritual spiritual avatar. He doesn't want to know your online persona. He wants to know you. He wants to be the king of your real, real life. He wants, he wants to be the, the king of your current life, not the life that you hope to eventually perfect. He doesn't want to know about your padded resume. He wants to build a relationship with the real you. And I, I, there's a story that illustrates this that I just love. Early in his ministry, uh, Nathaniel hears about Jesus. And, and then... Uh, and then Nathaniel comes to Jesus. Now, when Nathaniel hears about Jesus, the first thing he says is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the first thing Jesus says when he meets Nathaniel is, hey, look, here's a guy who's like brutally honest. Now, there are all kinds of other things I think Jesus could have said. He could have said, hey, I heard you dissing me and my people. Or he could have said, dude, you kind of sound like a racist. Or he could have said, Hey, listen, if you're going to hang out with me, you got to get over your ethnocentricity. But actually what he said is, hey, man, you are like straight. You say what you think. I can work with that. So I think Jesus just likes real people. And, and you know, he loved David. And David is so honest and straight with God about what he's thinking and what he's feeling in his prayers that are recorded in the Psalms. So listen, I just tell you, it's, it's safe to be straight and honest with God. Next thing I want to say is, so you come, come like a child, come as you are, and then talk to your father. Talk the way a, a, a child might talk to her father. And, and that, among other things, that means don't depend on like getting all your thoughts well organized. Listen, you don't have to sketch out a good outline of your prayer. You don't have to have a, welly, a well-developed prayer in order to talk to God. It really helped me when somebody pointed out that Paul's prayer in the book of Ephesians is messy. So let me just run through this. He starts praying in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, I don't, I don't stop giving thanks for you. I'm remembering you all the time that the God and the Father may give you a spirit of wisdom. And he prays for several verses, and then he stops, but you can't really tell where he stops. Then he starts praying again. At the beginning of chapter 3, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. But then as soon as he mentions the Gentiles, he gets distracted 
and stops praying and starts talking about the Gentiles for a while. Then he picks up his prayer again in 3.14 and says, For this reason I bow on my knees before the Father, which I think he'd said earlier. I mean, this is like ADD praying. Paul doesn't have it together. He doesn't have like a well-structured prayer, so you don't need to have one either. Third thing I want to say is ask for what you want. Sometimes we're embarrassed to tell the Lord just exactly what we want. Children aren't like that. They tell you what they want. A child learns that there's this place called Disney World. She says, when can we go? I want to go there. Um, now, you know, you, you're probably, when you pray, you're probably asking for some stuff that you shouldn't ask for. Or you're probably wanting some stuff that you shouldn't want. But I wouldn't worry about that too much. When Jesus encourages us to pray in Matthew 7, he doesn't put lots of restrictions around what you should ask for. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven good, give, give good things to those who ask him? So, he, God is a good parent. Good parents like to give their children good things. And good parents don't give their children everything they ask for. But we also don't scold them because we know that it's good if our children think that we're generous and, and are capable of helping them. And God is that kind of father. The last thing, the fourth thing about praying like a child is to believe like a child, which basically means believe that all things are possible. Children routinely overestimate what is possible. This has happened to me more than once. I'm at some kind of party. There's a bunch of kids in the house. They're batting balloons around. Some kid who's enjoying a balloon tremendously pops the balloon. Then they take the broken balloon in hand, carry it to an adult, and say, fix this. They believe that all things are possible. I have a son who watched the movie Mighty Joe Young and then said, when I grow up, I want to be that big monkey. See, they believe things that are impossible. And Jesus wants you to believe that with God, our Father, all things are possible. And, you know, here's like the evidence that people believe. The evidence that you really believe that all things are possible is like persistence. And um, it's kind of like rare in the Bible when Jesus encounters someone who's got like big faith. In fact, there are only two times in the Gospels where he commends somebody and says, wow, that's extraordinary faith. And interestingly, both situations uh, involve people who were not part of like the community, the Jewish uh, community. Uh, one of them was a Roman officer who was so confident in Jesus' ability to heal. He said, you don't even need to come to my house. You just say the word, it'll happen. Uh, the other was a Canaanite woman whose daughter was possessed by a demon. And Jesus put her off and she just like pressed in and, and wouldn't give up. And Jesus says, listen. You have amazing faith, be it done for you as you desire. And one of, the story, one of the things that story teaches us is that the evidence that you believe all things are possible is persistence. If you persevere, and I got to tell you, I had a bunch of kids, and one of the things I noticed about them is they are capable of pestering their parents incessantly. 
And they can't imagine that if they don't keep asking, eventually mom or dad will say yes. And Jesus encourages us to keep asking. He, he tells us several parables that are just all about that. One is the parable about a persistent widow and an unjust judge. That one's in Luke 18. There's also a parable about a man who wants to borrow some bread from his neighbor. He just won't give up. He wears his neighbor out. That's in Luke 11. So, one thing that it means to pray like a child is to just be persistent. So, here's the recommendation. Block out some time every day. Aim to be consistent. When you fail, don't beat yourself up. Just get back on board again. Come to God in whatever messy state you find yourself. Be honest. Ask for what you want. Believe that God can do anything and that he's happy to do good things for his kids.